Last time I ever listened to those fucks. All right. Welcome back to the Organic Football Podcast. And we are here to drop some fantasy and NFL knowledge bombs upside your head. I am your host. My name is Mark. Here with my fantasy aficionados, Brad and Rich. And we're going to get right into it on our division breakdowns today. Breaking down the AFC East for you guys. And we're going to start up there in Buffalo, New York, home of Niagara Falls, and talk about a uh, football team that turned a lot of heads last year and it actually looks like they're finally you know since the uh, early 90s they're finally really building something up there in buffalo so uh i'm gonna send it over to brad and he'll give you his thoughts on josh allen as a fantasy quarterback yeah i actually like josh allen i think he's a really solid play i think you can get him for really cheap dollars or early in your snake draft or late i should say in your snake draft sorry i got that all backwards don't but, mention uh, the snake draft ever again bro don't even bother don't even <laughs> okay bother. yeah let's just do that if you have a snake draft just unsubscribe us and go somewhere else yeah unsubscribe and fuck yeah. off and die <laughs> yeah well i think don't unsubscribe <laughs> us just stop listening to us yeah yeah keep keep just subscribe. keep that subscribe yeah. button yeah. <laughs> Helps us out greatly. Thanks, guys. <laughs> but no, Josh Allen, I think he's a solid quarterback, man. I think he's actually, he could be up there like five to 10 range. Like, I mean, five is kind of like a stretch, but I think he's going to be in that range. The one thing I like most about him is he gets those rushing touchdowns. They get on the one, two yard line and they are not looking to run the ball with anyone else but him. So I like that a lot. And he even scrambles 15, 20 yards out and gets in the end zone. So, you know, he's got legs. And now that they got Diggs coming in, they got more weapons. John Brown is a great receiver. He had a good rapport with him. They got nice running backs that are doing well. I actually think this might be the year that they could win the division. That's my bold prediction. What do you think, Rich? Do you concur? Yeah, I, I think they are they're they have the looks of a division winner. Uh, I like Josh Allen a lot. That kid, he can really chuck the ball. I've seen him throw the ball 70 yards down the field now. The accuracy might be a little bit of an issue here and there, but what he's losing there in the accuracy game, he's going to pick up with his feet for sure. Um, I think you know having him last year, he, I don't know, what do you have, about six, seven touchdowns rushing with the feet? Oh, yeah. I mean, he was solid. Get me, you know, if he only had a 180, 200-yard passing game, he was getting you, you know, 80 yards on the ground and a touchdown. So you were still getting your numbers no matter what. Yeah, he was bringing those running back figures. Well, I think he was actually their lead running back for most of the season. I can't remember. I think it was like week 13 or something, and he was still the lead running back in Buffalo. So that's kind of that's kind of fucking astonishing for a quarterback to be a lead running back. I mean, that just says really bad things about your running back core. What do you think, Mark? Yeah, uh, he was actually their lead rusher uh, for the better part of the season. You know, he just has the ability to take off. The The defense doesn't usually adapt to his speed and his... Uh, he is kind of elusive for a bigger guy, too, but he's not afraid to put his shoulder down either and kind of just blast into an undersized corner or, uh, you know, maybe a safety. But, yeah, he's a tough kid. Uh, he took that huge hit in the middle of the season. Uh, you know, they kept replaying it. Just he got rocked. I mean, you could see his whole jaw, like, hit up against the uh, top of somebody's helmet. He came back pretty strong after the concussion uh, protocol. I believe that he could definitely lead the Bills to the playoffs this season, man. Do you think they'll win the division, or do you think it's still the Patriots' division? No, I, I got to lean towards the Bills, man. Uh, you know, we'll get to New England uh, a little bit later on, but lots to talk about there. But uh, I think it's finally time to pass the torch, and the Bills look like the team that can step up and grab it to me. I agree. I think the Bills are a solid team. I think I think that defense is really, really stout. So the defense is where it's at, and the, the offense, it'll come around this year. You know, they only averaged about 21 points a game last year. So I, I think they didn't really get to that, like, point where they're going to really churn i think getting stefan Diggs is really going to open that up so offense will open up the defense is already there i think they're the team to beat in the afc east right on man yeah uh you got stefan Diggs coming over and uh john brown you know that's that's a pretty nice one to uh punch for the receivers and you know you just know josh allen can pretty much get him the ball anywhere on the field uh talking about the running back 
committee they got there, uh, Rich. You know, they got Devin Singletary. Uh, he had some ups and downs last year, but uh, performed decent, I would say. You know, not great, but also not terrible. And then uh, they also drafted that kid. Uh, yeah, they drafted Zach Moss um, out of Utah. Great running back. So I lean towards when I see that happen, coaching staff must have seen something. I mean, to, to use a, a draft pick, I believe it was a second-round draft pick, to pick him there, um, they're signaling a little bit that they don't trust Singletary as the full-time back. So I like Zach Moss as a kind of a, a good project type guy this year. Like I had my Miles Sanders last year. Um, he might be a guy I'm looking to invest, you know, to really take over the situation. As a, as a grinder team, I think he's a grinder back. So I'm looking for Zach Moss maybe towards the back half of the season being the, being the starting back there. Yeah, I think Singletary works really well as a complementary role rather than just the main back, kind of like uh, Philip Lindsay. When he was the sole guy really getting the ball, I don't think he was doing well when Freeman was hurt and it was just kind of him. So I think when he's kind of like that one-two punch, you can get a bruiser guy that comes in there and then he kind of can do his work. I think he's a lot more productive. So I think his numbers will go up. But like Rich said, I think it's the Rooks show to lose. And then they also got uh, Cole Beasley. We should mention him just because, yeah, he's one of the better slot receivers out there. He he gets open and makes plays. So he may have a couple games this year where uh, he's going to get a touchdown or two. So that's somebody to just keep in mind when you're surfing the wires as the season goes along. Yeah, if you have a deep bench maybe, but he, he's a tough start in my book. Yeah, I, I think Beasley. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, I remember uh, Beasley getting started in a few games last year uh, by one of our owners, looking for anybody that might get uh, into the end zone at that point. I think Beasley actually put up some numbers for him. So Yeah, you also have Diggs coming to yeah, the party. And gonna that's be, true. You know, he's going to take a lot. So Beasley's going to be, you know, back down to this third role. So he's going to get some, some games where he gets 100 yards and a touchdown. But, you know, I'm expecting 40, 60 yards a game out of him. So not much. Well, one thing I'll, one thing I'll say, I, I have kind of like twisted my philosophy a little bit over the last couple of years where it's like a slot receiver like wouldn't have hit my radar about three, four years ago. You know, the last couple of years, though, I've kind of leaned towards, man, there's a role sometimes for those guys where it's like they just need to be able to deliver them the ball. You're going to get production out of it. It's just like a reliable source and a reliable outlet for the quarterback. So um, there's just this deal where, you know, if you've got those speedy slot receivers, um, there's production that can kind of come from that. Just as, you know, they, they get these little cut run little slot slant routes and they're gone so um sometimes i do see you know they may be catching the ball catching the ball catching the ball but they have the ability to break them too they have these little scenes where they can find good yardage right and and that could make you know a guy like cole beasley uh you know hit the fantasy radar certain weeks maybe on a good matchup or whatever the case may be yeah i mean i don't i don't say cole beasley is necessarily the guy but i have opened myself up to the slot receivers whereas it used to be like you know give me deandre hopkins the guy yeah. who's 6'4 every time. And now it's at least opened up to where there are situations where that slot receiver is a valuable player. Yeah, I think I think you're right with that slot receiver. But with someone like Cole Beasley and a couple of these other guys, you know, they're going to get receptions for five, seven yards, pick up that first down. Yeah. I and mean, if, they, if they can't take it and break it, you know, you might get seven receptions for 40, 50 yards. And that's your game, which is great because he's getting opportunities. But it is kind of a feast or famine type thing. So I'll look. I've started to narrow it down that I'll look at the tight end or the slot receiver from certain teams and i'll kind of evaluate it which it's an either or on the team i'm not gonna have i would never accumulate both the tight end and the slot receiver on the same team. but i'll look at a team and decide so like dawson knox or Cole's, cole beasley well, i'd rather play a guy like dawson knox just because uh, josh allen a little bit of rapport there that they got last year and a little bit of a better player and a better play i think so I'll, I'll evaluate it that way. I'll look at the middle of the field. I'll say, okay, am I interested in the tight end or am I interested in the slot receiver? And then if it's neither, then I move on. If it's if it's one of them, then I'll look there. Yeah, a little bit of fantasy strategy. Rich just kind of touched base on that, and I think we should talk about it. You should never try and double up 
your position players with the same team, like a running back and a wide receiver from the same team. If you do that, when it comes time to score, you only have one guy to possibly get in the end zone. So when it comes to position players, I think you should spread the teams out. You can go quarterback and wide receiver because if he throws a touchdown, you're getting double points. So that's something you might want to tie up. That's always a nice stack that you can do, a QB wide receiver stack. Uh, I like to do that from time to time as well. Yeah, I mean, every touchdown you're getting 10 points. So, I mean, they go two, three touchdowns. You know, that, that those are big games you're having. And also sometimes Rich actually, he kind of came up with this philosophy a couple years ago. Your kicker with a running back or quarterback. So let's say your quarterback is driving down. He doesn't get in the end zone. Well, if you have that kicker, you know, you're kind of hedging your bet. At least you get the field goal. So that's kind of something you can also do to pair up. You know, if your quarterback doesn't get in or your running back fails to get in, at least you get the points with the kicker. I think I've moved towards where that's just like I match that. I'm trying to match that with my highest, my high end skill player, whatever it may be. Whoever my best player is, um, let me put the kicker with it. As long as, I mean, there's other considerations. I mean, the kicker's got to be decent. You know, you can't just be anyone. Right. It can't be anyone. But yeah, I've, I've tried to look at that at least for most seasons, trying to like pair that with my offensive guys as the kicker yeah and and really the uh, exception to that would be you know if you're trying to handcuff your rb then you're obviously going to take the guy on the same team um well handcuffs are totally different yeah handcuffs are totally different yeah and handcuffs these days it's it's so hard to tell man with these running backs you know i had kareem hunt and nick chubb uh last season and you get to a point where you're like you almost want to start both of them if when it's in a 50 50 situation like that i mean some weeks that wasn't a bad play with some of them you know but it's it's tough it's it's tough to pull that trigger you know yeah i mean there's there's the rare combinations there's the rare combos where you'll see um, two players that are really popping on the same team. Kamara and Ingram back in New Orleans a couple years ago. That was, that was a good in. combo. That's at the same position even. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, that was that was terrific. But, like, yeah, I mean, running back wide receiver, it, it, it's tough to start two from the same team. It, it, it is tough. You're even tight end. I had uh, Waller and Jacobs last year, and there are a lot of games. Like, I mean – they play the Chiefs and score seven points. Like mm-hmm. sometimes well, neither of them got a touchdown. You know, even that point you were making about um, quarterback wide receiver, I've kind of like tweaked that a little bit. Where I think it's like almost better to do quarterback wide receiver, but not like my top guy, kind of like a middling guy with him. So I'm not expecting tons of production on both ends from it. Um, yeah, tying in all that to it. So I mean, I, I oh, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> never mind. I'm thinking about thinking about something else. <laughs> oh no, I know what he was gonna do. He's just about to break out all his fantasy secrets. He don't want to share all that shit with you guys though. <laughs> Make it authentic, Rich. Still, make it authentic. Brad doesn't want me to. Trust so me. I think the example uh you pair Kyler Murray with a guy like Christian Kirk or something instead of you know uh DeAndre Hopkins. As opposed to DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah. For an example, that might be a way that I've kind of tweaked uh, that strategy. Write this down. (laughs) And we're back on the Organic Football Podcast. And we were discussing the AFC East. And it's a division that uh, looks like it may finally pass the torch to a new champion after, I don't know, 15, 20 years. I stopped counting. But, you know, the Patriots have usually run roughshod over all these teams. But uh, the times they are a-changing. So we'll uh, head down to Miami and the Dolphins down to South Beach and kind of talk about this squad. Rich, I'm looking at the quarterback position, uh, a little crowded back there. They have Ryan Fitzpatrick and Josh Rosen on the roster. And then you can't forget about that uh, draft pick they took, Tua Tagovailoa. We'll just call him Tua. It's a little bit of a mouthful, but he, uh, you know, he had a great college career, got injured at the end. Uh, what do you make of his prospects as a pro? I'll first say thank you for giving us the grace to just go ahead and say Tua. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go ahead and tap out on that last name. Uh, <laughs> uh, I like Tua a lot. You know, it's it's a health factor for him. If he if he's remaining healthy, he's going to be – I mean, they, they comp him to Drew Brees, so – um, when it comes to that, what I've seen in decision making and, and execution out of him, real good quarterback. So I'm looking forward to seeing that in action. Uh, it seems to me if if he just avoids those blow up plays that he's getting hurt on, he could be real good. Um, so you know we'll see. There is um, Ryan Fitzpatrick there, so um, I don't know if they start with him this year. 
Oh, you know, he can light it up, man. The Fitz magic. You got to love that. Guy. Yeah, I think he's definitely going to be the starter. I mean, it's his, he's going to start for minimum, I think, three to four games. You know, unless something really goes bad in the first two games. But I don't think they want to throw him out there game one. Yeah, I could I could see it taking, like you said, about four weeks. It could take even longer before they go to him. Um, yeah, if he started off like last year, I mean, he could play eight games, you know. Well, yeah, I think that's that's what he has in him. I don't know if I if I really want to start Fitzpatrick for a year, but you know when he has he goes out for six eight games, he can give you that spark and be an efficient quarterback. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. And you know, Tua uh, he had that uh, that hip injury, which is always tough when you're a pro. I mean, uh, you know, Bo Jackson that put him out of football when he broke his hip. So, you know, Tua did injure the hip, so that is a bit of a concern, but still they selected him with the fifth overall draft pick. So Miami must have seen a health report that they were encouraged by, and I would definitely expect uh, Tua to be the starter at some point this season. Yeah, I um, I guess I heard – I'm not sure exactly where I heard it, but um, the health factor when it comes to the injury he went through – the medical fields kind of come around. So like they, they have a much better way to basically fix the problem. So from what I've heard is that that injury, he'll be able to bounce back a lot better than um, obviously Bo Jackson didn't even bounce back, but to if he's healthy, I think he'll be healthy. I, I think four weeks in, we could have a starter. And then honestly, he, he can be a startable option in fantasy, in my opinion. Um, if he's a starter there, he's a starter on a fantasy roster, in my opinion. 12-team league like ours, someone should be rostering him and probably starting him. Yeah, to me, he's a project, but if it's a project that can really pay off. So definitely want to roster him. You get him good for you know pretty cheap, but definitely not looking to start him from the get-go. It is a project. Like, could take four to eight weeks. So, yeah. Right on, man. And, uh, yeah, looking at the uh... – backfield it's uh well i don't want to call it a quagmire maybe clusterfuck is a bit of a better (laughs) term but i mean they got four backs uh all of them have seen nfl starts playing time um you know they got jordan howard came over from philly uh, matt Breida from the 49ers and uh then they also have patrick laird who saw some playing time last year and kalen balage uh you know the kid out of asu so a lot of uh, options there in the backfield, Rich. Do you think that one of those guys may emerge? Tough backfield, man. You know, they they signed Jordan Howard as a free agent. They trade for Matt Breda. Um, that doesn't really bode well for Kalen Balaj and, and, and what the team is saying about him. But, I mean, honestly, I, I'm thinking about taking a flyer on a Kalen Balaj this year. Um, I would think – to me, he's the young back out of those guys and the most complete back for everything you'd want to do. So I'll, I'll take that flyer. What about you, Brad? What do you uh, I'd probably that? go with Pareda if I had to take a flyer on him. Yeah. I thought he, you know, he did well in San Francisco. Kind of reminds me of a little Frank Gore. He, I have a feeling he's going to go somewhere and just do well. But then again, there's four guys in the backfield, so I'm not really rostering him. But if I had to take a flyer on one of those four, I'd probably go Pareda. Yeah, I mean, I, I could see this being a backfield where we, everybody just stays away from it to start with and see what plays out. One of these guys could end up being a nice waiver waiver guy about week three, week four, where you're going, okay, this looks like he's going to end up being the guy. Yeah, they could all start out with seven, eight touches, and then, you know, you're waiting to see who gets the 15. Yeah, exactly. And, and Matt Breda, you know, the 49ers did uh, trade him, and – He's the type of back, you know, that might be able to excel. He excelled in the committee in San Francisco, broke off some big runs here and there. So, uh, yeah, I agree, Brad. Uh, Bredo would be the one that I'm really keeping an eye on, and uh, the rest are kind of an afterthought uh, for me. Well, yeah, don't get me wrong. I I like Bredo. I saw his talent last year. I traded for him. Um, Actually, I mean – might be tough to say that I traded for him. I tra- <laughs> I received him. I, I traded Aaron. He was he was part of the package. <laughs> yeah. I was going after a defense, but yeah, so maybe I have a little bit of a bitter taste in my mouth when it comes to Matt Breda. I mean, but I do think he's a real talented back. So we'll see kind of what happens there. I don't I don't like Jordan Howard really. Yeah. Another, another year on the tires there. So I don't think he's gonna pan out. So I think when it comes down to it, it's gonna be Breda and Kalen Balage and then so I, like I said, again, I'll probably wait it out and hope for just the waiver wire 
on the right guy as opposed to like making it a project. I don't think either guy is really worth rostering from the draft. Yeah, we only have six bench spots. So, I mean, you're looking at one project, maybe two, but yeah, that's about it. You know, I like my projects, though. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> right on. Uh, so, talking about that receiving core, um, this is a group of receivers that actually played pretty solid towards the back half of the season. And Devontae Parker, uh, Rich, he really came into his own, I thought. Um, kind of been waiting for. I want to say this is his fourth year in the league, and there's been some hype about him in the past. Never really uh, came to fruition, but last year, Devontae Parker, man, he he proved he can go out there and catch TDs, go up and get the ball. He was a true number one last year. Not a number one in fantasy football. Um, he was he was pretty close, though. I'd say he's about 10 to 12, really, honestly. At the end of the year there, he was just cooking. I picked him up on the waivers forgetting which week it was but um he was stellar man i, I kind of considered him my best wide receiver to close out the year got him a contract last year they, they gave him an extension so i expect good things from Devonte parker um no matter the quarterback play and then you know also you know uh there was a young kid uh, preston williams i like that kid actually a lot he got hurt last year kind of sad man he was he was just starting to spark so i really like that kid too um i think those two guys are the the rosterable guys i went for it again i said rosterable there we go. Uh, <laughs> well, it's a word. that's good because it's clearly a word it's man. a word <laughs> uh but yeah i i those two guys and then uh maybe maybe the tight end i don't know you guys you guys like the tight end Jaseki? yeah i don't mind him i mean i think there's better options but you know, if you spend all your money and get top guys and are left with him, I think that's okay. Yeah, he's he might be like a bye week fill in kind of guy. You know, your uh, your number one tight ends on bye, and Gasecki's sitting there on the wire. Might be a guy you scoop up and uh, throw in there and kind of cross your fingers, hope for the best. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the Dolphins' offense, I mean, they've been a bad team. I mean, since I can remember, I don't know. They've just uh, struggled quite a bit down there as a franchise. But, you know, maybe with uh, the draft pick of Tua, you know, they start to turn things around. And like I said, man, the division, it seems like it's going to be wide open this year. So, say keep an eye on the Dolphins. Uh, They're defensive-wise. I'm not seeing this as a fantasy defense that anybody's going to want to roster. What about you guys? No, I'm not interested. No, I wouldn't wouldn't take on the defense. Not not enough playmakers, really. I mean, I do like I do like Brian Flores as a coach. He is a defensive coach, so that's there. They're going to be a tough-minded football team. Uh, not something I'm going to put on my roster, you know, out the gate. It's again, I, I think I think you could actually look at Miami and say they are a project, like the whole thing. You, it, <laughs> you want, if you pick a piece, it's kind of a project for you, other than maybe Devontae Parker. Yeah, I think, like you said, Devontae Parker is the only one that's truly draftable. Yeah, so. yeah. I think he'll get drafted for sure. I mean, he's um, – Yeah, I mean, he's flex one, flex two, definitely. I got to believe that backfield will shake out at some point. So, it is going to be something you're going to want to monitor because I got to believe one of those guys is going to emerge and, you know, maybe halfway through the season really start getting uh, a lot of uh, the carries, maybe, you know, 65 70% of them. So, We'll see, man. That's uh, that's one to keep in mind. But and also watch the quarterback play. See how that does too. Yeah, that's another part that uh, because yeah, it's not clear exactly who's going to be the starter. All right, and oh, you know what that sound means? It is time for a little herbal intermission, and uh, we don't usually wait this long to uh, break out the buds, but. We thought we'd throw it in the middle of the episode this time. So I'm going to send it over to Brad. Brad, what's puffing today, buddy? Uh, this is actually, believe it or not, Mojave extract. Oh, really? Yeah, this is not venom extracts. Uh, they had a nice little sale, six for 100 instead of five for 100. So, you know, who doesn't want a free gram? And uh, I'm not going to lie, I like it. It's very smooth. <laughs> so uh, brad when it comes to that extract and what what was the name of that again i didn't catch that uh mojave extracts mojave extracts okay mojave mojave desert that's a it's a good desert nice smooth debris 
be really high, and I get a free extra gram. So, I mean, do they? What what strain did you have there, Brad? Uh, honestly, I didn't even look. I threw it in there. A little mystery. <laughs> it's gooey. It's like that mystery color, you know? You just like, ooh, that tastes good. <laughs> Perfect. But yeah. like I said, I'm all about so, the high, not so much about the the name. And I do like the high. So let me ask you this: Is there a difference? between wax and shatter and then you know a dab or is it all kind of slang for the same general thing just smoking extracts are there different types of toilet paper mark of course there are <laughs> of course there are great analogy yeah well, i mean come on you can have your shatter. one ply or you can have your good shit i mean where the wax is the good shit Costco? they got that uh okay yeah oh don't, you don't, definitely want to stay away from the one ply paper. for sure bro yeah, one ply is like... The one ply is not going to get yeah, the job yeah. done, bro. You got to have a two-ply minimum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's key. Uh, all right, so what you're telling me is that there is a clear difference uh, based on your toilet paper analogy. Uh, they have sugar wax. They have the, you know, your shatter wax. They have live resin. You know, they have a lot of different types that you can get. But to me, when I found out when I'm dabbing, the live resin, it's kind of hard to dab with because it comes in like hard rocks. So you kind of got to smash them. And then I was sucking those rocks up into my little stem, so I was kind of wasting it. So I went XNA on that. And the sugar wax is kind of just very like gooey. So wasn't a big fan. So I like the texture and the properties of the shattered. And when it melts, it kind of gets a nice little gooey thing and you get good rips. That's about it. Oh, hell yeah. That's where I came up my I like conclusion. it, man. All right. So how's how's that uh, dab got you feeling, man? Are you on top of the world over there? Mark, I'm always on top of the world. I wake up on top, buddy. <laughs> so we're, we're, you wake <laughs> up and you see the Goodyear blimp with your uh, name and lights, Brad Smithers? Yeah, with theme music. You probably have about the theme music. Brad got me laughing so hard I bumped the microphone just now with my head. Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always on top of the That's world, awesome. man. <laughs> I wake up on top of him. <laughs> How do you feel about the dad? How'd that oh, do no, for you? Oh, no, I feel you? real good, man. Good. Good, man. Yeah, it's, uh, I feel like this Mojave actually is a very, very high sativa. I kind of okay. feel like the venom extracts, even though they say they're sativa, they kind of feel like more of a 50-50 hybrid or maybe like a 60-40 hybrid. So it's kind of more on the sativa side, but this kind of feels like true sativa. All right, Brad. Thank you for uh, enlightening us during that little herbal intermission. And now it's time to get back into the fantasy talk. You fellas ready? Let's do this. So, uh, yeah, we'll move on to the next team in the AFC East, and that is going to be the New York Jets, the J-E-T-S's. And these guys, you know, uh, they got a good team. Um, well, I don't want to say they got a good team. They they have a. Uh, they don't have a bad team. They have a moderate team. I'm not sure how to describe this team as a whole, but uh, they're they play in New York. I know that much. They have green jerseys, but no, uh, the Jets. I mean, you look at Sam Darnold. He had the the bout with mono last year, and you know, thank goodness he recovered from that. Uh, you always like to see that. He's he's their draft pick from a couple years ago, coming out of USC. I've definitely seen some games that I really liked of Sam Darnold, and then I've seen some that weren't quite as impressive. Uh, wh- what are you feeling about Sam Darnold, Rich? Do you think he might be a bi-week fill-in kind of guy at the quarterback position? Uh, he, um, yeah, bi-week fill-in, maybe he's the guy that you're picking between two quarterbacks if that's the way you're going to work quarterback situation. I don't think he's my full-time starter, that's for sure. Uh, not enough, not enough really great options to throw the ball to. So um, I do think Sam Darnold's got some talent. I think he's a good quarterback. He does make some bad decisions here and there, but otherwise, I mean, he can make all the throws from what I've seen. He's got some athleticism that it's actually surprising athleticism, really. And don't look now because uh, Joe Flacco is his backup. So oh, if, if Darnold doesn't get the job done, you know, he's got uh, Broadway Joe there. So, Well, that was the one thing about Darnold that I, I always seem like to notice was he never actually scored less than like 12 or 14 points. He never really scored more than 20, 
but like he never really just shit the bed and scored zero, you know. So he was always like, like you said, a good bye week starter. You know, you could count on some points, but definitely not a true starter. All right, Brad. Uh, I'm definitely throwing this next question to you because let's do it. I'm not gonna mention Le'Veon Bell to Rich. Um, <laughs> who's that now? Who? Who are we talking about? He apologized. It's okay. He apologized. <laughs> Apologies go a long way. I didn't accept that apology. <laughs> He's done his part, though. You have a running back to talk about, apparently. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> So, uh, Brad, what do you think about Le'Veon Bell? He bombed out uh, pretty hard with the Jets last year. I mean, he didn't quite break the uh, top 15 NFL running backs. That was a little pathetic. So, are you expecting Le'Veon Bell to turn a corner and uh, become more accustomed to the Jets? Or, you know, maybe he was so good in Pittsburgh because the team was good around him. What do you think? No, I think uh, Pittsburgh, obviously, was a lot better setup than he has here in the Jets. I think he took that year off, and he kind of lost the step. And I just think it's not a good fit for him. Yeah, I'm really not expecting anything for him. I mean, I don't even really want to roster him, honestly. Well, I mean, I think he'll – just the name alone, he's going to command a decent price in the draft, I think. You know, he's going to be a starter there. They got Frank Gore as a backup, you know – Josh Adams and Kenneth Dixon, they're kind of the third down backs. But, I mean, Le'Veon Bell is going to get the lion's share of the carries. They're going to swing him out of the backfield. It's just – Yeah, 2.8 yards a carry. Yeah, nothing seemed fluid with him. You get 20 carries, who cares? It just wasn't a good fit. Uh, You know, Darnold was out half of the year with the illness. He just didn't, you know, perform to his standards. I think he'd be the first one to tell you that, honestly. You got fat and slow, man. I would hope for a much better season out of him. But at the same time, yeah, I mean, what what is the dollar amount that you're going to go to to get him? Because, I mean, it's it's a little crazy to say, but Le'Veon Bell's a bit of a project this year. It's a wait-and-see type of situation, you know? He can pay me to be on my roster. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think people in our league will pay for him, Rich? You got to word the question right, Mark. Someone's, <laughs> someone will uh... Someone will pay 25 to 35 I'd guess, somewhere in there. Here's the deal. I'll talk about it for a second. <laughs> Le'Veon Bell, at least, you know, when it comes down to it with Frank Gore there and, like, whoever else you said, he's the back. I mean, he's the main back there. So, I mean, when it comes to there's not that many guys who you see the situation as kind of cut and dry, that's why he's going to go for somewhere 25 to 35 yeah, yeah, he was a huge disappointment last year. It just the the chemistry with the Jets was not there for him. But yeah, you know, uh, twenty twenty is a new year, uh, different season, and uh, we'll see if he can round back into his old form. Uh, looking at the receiver position, Rich, uh, they did bring in a guy that I know you're kind of high on. Um, they have Jamison Crowder and Josh Doxson, uh, Denzel Mims, but also, you know, Brashad Perriman, they brought him over from Tampa and he was uh, flashing a pretty bright light towards the end of the year last year, as I recall in Tampa. So what are your thoughts on Brashad Perriman? I really like Brashad Perriman. Um, definitely what I saw at the end of the year in Tampa Bay, great route runner. I mean, I, I come back to that, like I, I've really got into watching, you know, footwork and, and seeing what a route runner really is. Um, I really like that kid's footwork. So uh, great, great hands as a wide receiver too. So I think, you know, he's this kind of possession receiver that can also like give you a little bit of that speed break out off the top. Uh, I think he's just perfect for this uh, wide receiver court. So I'm looking to get him on my roster if I can at a, at a nice cheap price, really. I, I think people undervalue the jets. So I think, you'll get a lot of value out of him. Yeah, the one thing I noticed about Tampa was it was always Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. And then when Mike Evans got hurt, Chris Godwin took over that role, and then Perryman just took over Godwin's role. And he was putting up huge numbers, like 180 yards a game. I mean, like, I mean, I was a Godwin owner, so it was pissing me off. Yeah, he was getting in the end zone too, man. Yeah, he was taking all the points. So, I mean, I think he's going to take that to the Jets. And, I mean, I don't know if he's going to get that big of numbers because, I mean, Winston was bombing the ball to him at times. But I do think he's going to be solid play, and I do think you'll get him for a really good price. So definitely keep him on your radar. Yeah, I mean, to me, you're going to pay maybe five bucks. 
one to five bucks. Yeah. yeah. And like he can be a starter. I think he can be a pretty much a weekly starter. I mean, you know, 16 week season, I'm going to maybe start that guy 10 to 12 times. That's, that's big time value out of my five bucks. And what I've seen of uh, Sam Darnold, you know, he, he has been pretty accurate with a deep ball. So I think he yeah. will have a nice connection with uh, Perriman. So that's yeah. a nice play. And then Jamison Crowder is one of those guys that, yeah, maybe you'll throw him on your roster. Uh, you know, he's more of a possession type of receiver. He's nothing fancy, but he'll give you he'll give you that baseline. I mean, we, we're standard scoring. So I, I, I expect, you know, that nine, ten points out of him, which like, I mean, there's there's a place for that too. I mean, no doubt. Yeah, absolutely, man. And then at the tight end position, uh, you're looking at Ryan Griffin and Chris Herndon. Uh, that's I'm not sure if either of those guys are draftable, but you know, tight ends you might want to uh, take a look at as the season goes on. Maybe uh, Darnold starts utilizing them. Yeah, I think either one of those guys might be able to pop. So yeah, just kind of I think those will be waiver wire considerations, both of them. Yeah, I don't see anyone really going after them either. Yeah, they'll just be sitting there on the wire probably uh you know so if you want to take a flyer on them hey you can you look at the jets defense uh well i hate to say it but uh nothing too special about them either uh not you know defenses haven't been impressing me lately i don't know what it is we'll get to some good ones jamal adams is a good player i mean he's a good safety so i mean sometimes sometimes that plays you know if you've got a good safety we mentioned him in the uh nfc east episode rich and uh yeah so jamal adams uh He's just been in a lot of trade rumors uh, lately. You know, the Jets have him, but it seems like he's not too happy there. Uh, He is one of these uh, impact safeties that's going to make a difference on a team. And the team I keep hearing about is Dallas because, you know, he went to University of Texas. He's a Texas kid. So who knows, man, if the Jets end up moving him or not. He seems like a nice asset. But, uh, yeah, the Jets defense is one of those as a whole that's probably not going to be a blip on the radar. What do you think, Rich? Yeah, I guess that point about, like, you know, I like Jamal Adams, but what if he gets moved? So, yeah, I, I guess I guess at that point I'm not really looking at their defense. Yeah, I can see him definitely get moved, you know. They go two and three to start the season. They're not really looking like they're contenders. You know, you might get some nice offers for him. All right, moving on to our last team in the AFC East, and it is none other than the New England Patriots. Uh, you know, Bill Belichick's still there, uh, so he's going to carry over, but it is definitely the dawn of a new millennium in uh, New England. going to be interesting to see if, you know, him and Tom Brady not being together, uh, if they both make the playoffs, if neither one of them make the playoffs this year. Um, because they were such a uh, dynamic combo for so many years, just dominating that division. But, uh, Rich, I'm looking at the depth chart for quarterback for the Patriots, and uh, let's say some unfamiliar names, uh, Brian Hoyer and Jarrett Stidham. Uh, also, Brian Lewerke, who was the Michigan State quarterback last year, and I guess they drafted him. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure how it's all going to shake out, but uh, it's going to look a little different in New England. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, for sure. I mean, I, I'm actually kind of excited to see something different happen there. I mean, I, I think the change of scenery for both teams is going to be kind of good, and uh, we'll see what happens down in Tampa Bay. But, um, you know, in New England, it it um, seems a little unsteady. They don't know. I don't believe they believe in uh, Jared Stidham. Uh, they bring in Brian Hoyer. Um, he actually was part of their system for a while, so um, – maybe a little bit of distrust there and, and saying, well, maybe he's not ready. So if they're already on the fence on him a little bit, we'll see how it goes. But uh should be an interesting season for sure. Yeah, to me, I just can't imagine the Patriots going into the season with Hoyer and Stidham. I just feel like, I mean, Bill Belichick surprised me all the time because I'm not even going to try and understand his mind. But <laughs> I just imagine they're going to want to trade for a guy like Cam Newton, like Rich said earlier. So I'm really interested to see what happens who they trade for mid-season but uh yeah it's hard to want any one of those guys even though it's bill belichick and patriots they're not going to be plays i don't i don't think anybody who's a starting quarterback there short of cam newton would be a, a fantasy football relevant starter i wouldn't start stidham i wouldn't start hoyer um you know he could, I, maybe he shocks the world and he's the next tom brady but i don't think that's coming from jared stidham what about you mark you you like jared stidham <laughs> 
Uh, no, I can't say I do. Um, you know, you just think about the hoodie, you know, Bill Belichick. He he just always seems to have uh, something up his cutoff sleeves. So I agree, Rich. You know, Cam Newton may end up uh, in New England. Um, he definitely still needs a home. So we'll see how that all plays out. Uh, looking at the running back core, um, you know, this is like one of those that's uh, 33 and one-third percent for, you know, each back. I mean, it's it's a true uh, three-headed monster, and they're all going to get their touches. They're all going to get their touchdowns. We're talking about Rex Burkhead, James White, and Sony Michelle. Uh, Brad, when you look at those three, do any of them stand out to you? Yeah, I'm going to lean towards Sony Michelle this year. I think with Tom Brady gone, uh, I think that was a lot of James White's value. So... And I think Burkhead really did well when they got to the red zone. So I think Sony Michelle is going to be leaned on, and he's going to carry the ball, and I think he's going to do well. So I think actually Sony Michelle is that one nice piece of the offense I'd actually kind of look at. Because I think you will get him for a very good value because Tom Brady left and people have questions about the Patriots. So Sony Michelle, he's an interesting play this year for sure. I, I could see it playing out where they start to lean into at least one back a little heavier. Now the quarterback situation is a little unsure. Um, that's that's kind of where I would lean. I would say let's lean into the run game. And Sony Michelle, kind of a make or break year. You know, he's he was decent last year, but um, left a lot on the field. So I think this year he um, he needs to bring it. You know, either show up or he might show out. He might be out of here. So we'll see what happens. I I, I like Michelle. I like Sony Michelle this year. Why don't you marry him? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. If you like him that much, geez. Dude. Yeah. I don't like to marry into the New England backfield. I, <laughs> I might no, you don't dab- ever want to do that. <laughs> I might dabble. <laughs> uh, so uh, the the wide receivers, there is one familiar face uh, at the wide receiving core, old Julian Edelman. You know, he did not follow uh, Tom Brady at Tampa like his former teammate, uh, Rob Gronkowski. So. <laughs> He missed that boat. <laughs> yeah, he, he did not catch that party yet. Uh, Where are you guys going? Yeah, he was partying somewhere else probably. That's all right. Edelman seems like the type. He gets after it. I like that, though. Uh, then he got uh, Mohamed Sanu, who they traded for. Uh, I didn't really see that much out of him once he got to New England. Uh, it's kind of the opposite of, you know, we talked about that Amari Cooper trade a couple years ago. Mohamed Sanu was a midseason trade, and, he didn't really do much uh, from what I saw. Um, I don't know if him and Brady just didn't have a nice connection. Uh, Rich, are you thinking Mohamed Sanu might be on the wide receiver uh, radar? God, man, I'll, I'll be honest. I wasn't even thinking of Mohamed Sanu. Um, <laughs> that's how like far from my like memory banks he yeah, was. Yeah, you know, that was they made that big trade, uh, I mean, uh, in the yeah. midseason. It, it just didn't really work out for them at all. I will say that I have heard um, – with the New England offense, that it does take like that, like season to almost a season and a half before you really just like fill in and understand the whole system. So, um, he could end up being a pretty good play at some point this year, really. Um, there's the other other guys you said, Edelman, uh, Nikhil Harry, he he kind of showed up, started showing a little bit last year. Um, you never know. Maybe he has a little more of a, a rapport with uh, Jared Stidham. So maybe that starts to work out and click a little bit. I don't know if I'd um, draft him or roster him yet, but uh, Nikhil Harry could be a play at some point this year too. I think he could be a play. I think I like Nikhil Harry just because, like you said, you get him for a dollar, maybe uh, waiver wire him later two, three weeks in the season. But, I mean, you're, you're talking like Stidham to Sanu, Stidham to Harry, so – what do you think about Edelman? I'm just curious real quick. I don't like anyone just because Stidham's throwing them the ball or uh, Hoyer's throwing the ball. Like, yeah. I just don't see them getting you know more than 200 yards a game, and that doesn't really bode well to my wide receivers. Yeah, Rich, if, you're, uh, if your premonition comes true and Cam Newton does end up in, a, in the Patriots uh, organization, uh, I think that changes the value for just about every single one oh. of these guys. You know, It changes everything and you know just hearing that out loud i mean think about that if that changes everything does that not change everything you know when it comes to division winner in the afc east does that not change everything 
when it comes to defenses having a game plan against this New England offense. So that's just like – that's why I kind of see it coming down the road where it's like Cam Newton has high-end talent, high-end athleticism. If he's healthy, um, I, I think he's going to end up there. That's my point. Like, I think he's coming. <laughs> I keep saying it. I'm I wonder like, if Phil Belichick thinks that maybe I can't control him and I don't want someone in here that doesn't listen to me, so he's got reservations about that. Maybe that's why it hasn't gotten done yet. And that's why he makes him wait. That's kind of what I think. I think he makes him wait to kind of like humble him a little bit even more. Okay. Like, hey, You're my bitch. <laughs> no, I think Rich has a point there because I, I think that uh, I kind of think it's a good match, you know, and I got to believe Cam is thinking that in the back of his mind and his agent is thinking that, you know. that They're all thinking it. That... Cam's could slide in there and he could, you know, that could be a really good offense, a really good team. So, yeah, we'll see if it plays out that way. Hopefully it happens before everybody's fantasy draft because it will change a lot of things uh, if that does come down the pipeline. Uh, they got Matt Lacoste at tight end. Obviously, uh, Gronk retired from the Patriots and then came back and went to the Bucks uh, this year. Uh, he's not really uh, uh, anybody that I'm uh, going to be throwing into my tight end position. Then we move to the defense, uh, Brad, and, I mean, you mentioned it, I think, a couple episodes ago. I mean, this defense was just insane last year. Uh, put up record amounts of fantasy points. Yeah, I've never seen anything like that. Defensive touchdowns, uh, you know, in just about every game for nine or ten games there. So, you know, uh, what do you think is – what do you make of the Patriots' defense this year and then their fantasy draft value in the auction draft? I mean, I think the Patriots are going to be a solid defense this year. My only problem is is I can't imagine them putting up the same numbers as they did last year. I mean, it's just – to me, that's impossible. And so with Brady gone, defense isn't going to have as good of, you know, positions playing from. And I also think people are going to want to pay a pretty penny for him because they're putting up 25, 30 points a game for a defense. People pay like 15, 10, 15 bucks for that. I think it's way overpriced. And you just get a lot more for your money. So – I would steer clear of them. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> what's that? What's that noise? Uh, I'm here a little. That was a perfectly timed dab. Doctor <laughs> Dabbers strikes again. <laughs> um, Dude, I, I finished my thought and bam, right into a dab. I mean, come on now. You saw me vaping and you said, "I gotta go, man. I gotta have me a hit." Dude, you vape and do like a dance. You're like, "What's up, bitch? What's up, man? I'm vaping. You didn't even know." <laughs> Boom. <laughs> New England defense. Uh, they had uh, they had some losses, man. They they lost a few players, so like, yeah, the value ain't there for that. Kyle Van Noy, like, he was an important part of that defense. I like uh, Stephen Gilmore. Is it Stephen Stephen Gilmore? Stephon. Stephon Gilmore. Yeah, he's a really good cornerback. Um, but yeah, I think if people are looking to pay ten, fifteen on what last year's value was, that's that's missing the boat. That's you should have picked up the value last year. I mean, I I tried to trade for it last year when it was still value. As as per the following year, that's just a big overpay, you know. Dude, last year you could get like a number one wide receiver, a number two running back for them. That was they were insane last year. Uh, I'm not sure what their average was, but for about 10 weeks there, you know, it was like they were throwing up 20s and 30s almost every week, and that is nice. That'll win you some fantasy games, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. Your defense comes with 20. You're feeling like you're going to win that week. Almost any week my defense gives me a 20 spot. I'm going, yeah, I'm going to win. And then 30, it's like, yeah, I'm going to win points. What's up? (laughs) Yeah. I guess we could explain. We we have a payout for most points every week, so – out of all the teams, highest points for the week gets a, gets a payout for that week. Yeah, it's just that extra little kicker, you know, to to make the week even more interesting. So that's a, that's a cool thing to do uh, for any league is have a weekly payout for the uh, top score. Because, hey, man, every play matters, even Monday Night Football. That's right. And not only that, but, like, let's say you have no chance of making the playoffs, but you still got four or five weeks left. You know, go win some weeks, get your points in, and go try and get back here buying money. Yeah, for sure, bro. So it's a way to keep it always active for everyone. All right, fellas. So we just wrapped up the AFC East. Uh, Interesting division. Uh, A lot of change. A lot of uh, new faces in different places. But uh, I'm wondering where you guys are thinking how this division is going to shake out. I think I said a little earlier, uh, Buffalo to me is the team. The most well-rounded, uh, the strongest team. So I'm going to go ahead and say the Bills win this division in 2020. Yeah, I agree with that. 
I'll go Bills. I, I would I would agree with Bills as well. Bills are going to win the division. Uh, most well-rounded team. I think they're going to be about eleven and five. Um, I I'd see you know I think New England's something to watch. They're they're a team to watch. I could see them being six and ten. I could see them being ten and six. I, I think Bill Belichick has that in him. They could push the Bills still this year. I think a little bit maybe. So it just depends on depends on what happens at quarterback. Um, obviously, but um, Jets could be a good team. Miami, solid team. So it's really solid division. But, yeah, I think the Bills are far and away the most talented and well-rounded team. Yeah, I think it's the Bills' division to lose. So they should win this. But if they lose, it's it's on them. But uh, never count out the Patriots. So If I was them, I would be in the building expecting to win the AFC this year. Yeah. Yeah, I think the smart money's on the Bills. Uh, but, you know, if Cam Newton does show up in New England, hey, like we said, that completely changes the equation, and we would have to uh, adjust our predictions from there. I mean, if Cam Newton goes, I think I put Patriots right up there with them. So. Right on, man. And, and then as we wrap up the uh, AFC East, fellas, you know what we like to do? We like to, uh, you know. Smoke weed. <laughs> smoke and maintain. And, uh, you know. We like to fill everybody in on our breakout fantasy performer from the AFC East. I'm going to send it over to you first, Brad. Who do you think is going to be this year's uh, fantasy stud out there in the AFC East? Uh, I like Josh Allen. I think he's going to be solid. You can get a get him for a great price. And, you know, I think he's going to be great great to go after and get. Snake me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was just like sitting here thinking, I'm like, man, Josh Allen. (laughs) No, it's all good. That just, uh, I think that does go to show real quick that, you know, Josh Allen might be a pretty interesting play at quarterback. He might be that sneaky play. You could, you could sneak in a top five quarterback real quick with real, uh, real low value. Uh, but yeah, Rashard Perryman, he'd be my other little breakout guy. Maybe, um, I don't know if you call Devontae Parker breakout because he had a really good breakout season last year, but I like that guy a lot. Yeah, uh, Brashad Perriman, he does look like he's going to slot right in there at the uh, number one receiver in New York, so he should get a lot of looks. I'm going to go ahead and, you know, think a little bit outside the box and show my uh, true uh, maroon and gold Homer colors. And I'll say uh, Nikhil Harry, man, the kid straight out of ASU. Uh, Maybe this is a year he has a a real nice uh, season up there in New England and uh, maybe gets in the end zone nine, ten times. That's what I'm looking at for him. I thought he was going to say Dawson Knox. (laughs) (laughs) I could always go with Dawson Knox. All right, all right, all right. That is going to wrap up our fully lit analysis of the AFC East. I hope you all enjoyed it. Appreciate you listening. Drop a subscribe on us if you don't mind. A five-star review. Those are all good things. Before I forget, I want to thank my co-hosts for stepping their games up on this episode Brad and Rich, thank you, fellas. And also, uh, appreciate friends of ours, Craig and Sarope, lending their vocal talents to this project. So, thanks, guys. And you can check them out in their respective bands, Magna Carta and Dayweather. Thanks again. And go ahead and check us out next time on the Organic Football Podcast. Son of mine is gonna play any foosball.